do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet full of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything you need for your spring days. From premium t-shirts and jeans to lightweight French terry joggers and their legendary best hoodie ever. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, you're sure to find your next closet go-to from American Giant. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Get 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's American-Giant.com, code S-T-A-P-L-E-2-0. You're listening to the Outdoor Podcast, proudly presented by Six Hour and created by Bowhunter Planet. Enjoy the show. Everyone, welcome to the Outdoor Podcast. It is myself, Tim Mazarana, along with Dave and Kevin in our home studio tonight. And we have a great guest tonight. Um, talked to Tom Taylor um, in the past, and we just always have some great conversations. And uh, Sig Sauer is just such a great brand. We love him around here. Um, Tom Taylor from Sig Sauer, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. I'm happy to join you guys again. We always have fun. Yeah, we're we're really excited to get to talk to you. It's been a little while, um, and you guys have been really busy. Um, why don't you give us uh, some highlights of what's been going on over on over at Six Hour? Nothing. I mean, we you know, <laughs> we, we don't do much here. We don't we don't never launch new products. We don't win military contracts. You know, there's not much going on. No, it's uh, it's been you know it's starts with the market. The market has, has finally slowed, you know, since the surge uh, during during COVID and through, throughout 20 and 21. And so the market is normalized. So that keeps us busy. Uh, you know, for a couple of years there, we couldn't make enough guns and uh, we're still doing, doing fine. And, and uh, a lot of guns being sold, but it's just uh, the, the entire industry ramped up to a very high degree, you know, and now everybody, everybody's got all this capacity and, and demand is still good, but certainly not like it was during the the surge and, and throughout COVID, um, you know, the political environment that we're living in keeps, you know, keeps the market pretty robust. And we just don't know what's going to happen next with our political environment we're living in, whether it be our politicians or even the ATF and things that affect us like the, the brace rule and those kinds of things. So lots going on on that front, but uh, no, we've continued to innovate and uh, keep focused on new products and, and one of our new products uh, is also related to a women's program. We can talk about that uh, as much as you like. Uh, maybe our, our Rose by Six Hour uh, program uh, that we launched, which is maybe our biggest uh, commercial news in recent months. Um, and, and most importantly, since last time we talked, uh, SIG has won a probably most significant uh, military contract in, in small arms history. Uh, I'm not sure the U.S. military has ever gone through such a significant change of armament, you know, for, for a handgun, rifle, machine gun, ammunition, suppressor, and optics uh, ever. Uh, you can say it's, we've essentially been using the same systems for, for 50 or 60 years. And after all that time, uh, they've, they've holistically changed their uh, arsenal. And, and that's pretty exciting news for, for not just for SIG, obviously, we're really happy to, to be awarded that contract, but also what it's doing for, for the United States of America and our allies on the battlefield. 
Yeah, I, want, I wanted to talk a little bit about that because that that's it is hugely significant. And because of that, I had there's got to be a hugely significant process that you guys had to go through in order to get that contract. So can you talk a little bit about what it what went into winning that contract? It is uh you know, it's an amazing process because SIG, you know, these these products, while SIG has a great heritage for heritage for handguns and the innovation of the 320 and the 365. I mean, that's what SIG is. It's an engineering innovation machine. That's what we that's what we love to do. It's what we're all about. But, you know, to look back about five years ago and, and have our CEO and our team say, you know what, I think I want to go after the U.S. military um, rifle and, uh, and machine gun uh, award, the NGSW, Next Generation Squad Weapon Contract. And, you know, we're, we're only going up against small companies like FN and Textron and General Dynamics and, you know, companies that have, you know, make things that fly and missiles that shoot and tanks and helicopters and, you know, all the things that those guys have been doing successfully for many, many years and say, well, here's this, you know, company that as recently as you know, 20 years ago was just was barely scraping by as a, as a commercial entity. And uh, so our CEO, Ron Cohen, made a decision that he was going to dump a tremendous amount of our, our resources, engineering resources and development resources into this this program. And so it really was five years, which you know, may, may, I don't know whether that sounds like a long time or whether, whether it doesn't, but it, it, it is a long time to dedicate something for five years. But the fact that we were able to accomplish it and, and achieve the award in that amount of time against those kind of companies, um, you know, was, was a gargantuan task to say the least. And, uh, you know, we were never sure we were going to win just like the, uh, the handgun contract. I don't think anybody ever thought back in 2017 with a product that was only three years old that the 320 was going to win that contract. So, um, so yeah, it is. It's it's almost unbelievable the amount of, of engineers that have to be on board, the amount of designs that have to be vetted, the amount of testing that has to be done. You know, and then you're like I said, going up against against people who have extremely uh, uh, high resources to be able to pull those kinds of things off. So, um, yeah, it's. It's hard to describe it. It's it's uh, millions and millions and millions of dollars, and that doesn't even count the the, the hours that go into it from a, from a people standpoint uh, to get to a point where you can can achieve uh, something like that. And you know something that's never been done before. This contract was the rifle, the 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 new XM7. It'll lose the X once it goes gets deployed in October November. Will be the M7 rifle, um, the M250 machine light machine gun. Uh, a SIG suppressor, um, and then maybe importantly, it's the gasoline, the the uh, the six eight hybrid ammunition, which really is what's going to change the battlefield. Um, and then prior to that, we'd also won uh, big army, um, special forces, and squad designated marksman contract for for the one to six variable optic or tango six optic. So um, to have an optic, a rifle, a machine gun, a suppressor, and ammunition. Uh, all come from one company. Um, in, in addition to the handgun that's already on their hips, um, I can't even tell you the amount of resources that had to go into that to, to achieve that. We're we're uh, we're humbled by by achieving it because, like I said, you go up against those kind of companies, you you don't think you are you're going to be the the uh, the one that comes out on top, but somehow we were, and uh, it's quite a, it's quite a process to as you can imagine. 
Yeah, and it's it's not just about winning the contract, right? It's about providing quality equipment for our soldiers to keep them safe. And I know that we talked, I think previously about um, the suppressor and how you guys design that. Um, you know, not only to work for what it's supposed to do, but also keep the user safer than they ever have been using that type of equipment. So, do you want to talk a little bit about that as well? Yeah, I mean that was that was one of the as complicated as all these things are. The suppressor technology was probably the most challenging. We uh, we had uh, a connection through our CEO Ron Cohen to um, head of the engineering department at MIT, uh, about an hour south of us, and. So he asked him if he'd be willing to take that on as a project to work with us to try to understand how to take back dangerous backflow going into the user's face, the soldier or a civilian that's using a suppressor. It's just that soldiers are the ones that have the highest usage rate. And uh, you know, we already know that toxic fume coming out of a suppressor can be very, very dangerous uh, to anyone's health. And so essentially, MIT said, sure, that's no problem. We can help you figure this out in you know, a couple of weeks. And uh, you know, quite a bit of time goes by and, and, and MIT basically said, we're not, we're not really sure how to solve this. And so we agreed to just sort of separate. We kept working and our CEO just said, can you simply allow us to, to use your computing power, be able to run analytics and things like that, which they agreed to do. And so uh, kudos to MIT for allowing us to, to work with them in, in terms of just the analytics and computing power necessary to do, to do the math on the, on the project. But um the Army had challenged uh, the suppressor company that, that was awarded the contract to cut dangerous backflow in half. And I'm proud to say that we cut it. Let's, let me just put it in layman's terms. There's less backflow coming out of, of a suppressed rifle than unsuppressed M4 right now. And so we were able to take backflow and, and not only reduce it from what a suppressor would be, but make it less than just shooting a non-suppressed M4 rifle. And so that that is a... You know, there, there's a number of things out of this project that I think were, were amazing. The guns will, will get all the glory, the, the, the M7 and the M250. Um, but the, the suppressor technology was maybe the hardest accomplishment. And then the bullet, the 6.8 the hybrid ammunition, which on the commercial market will be known as the 277 Sig Fury, it essentially takes a 308 size round and, and gives it the ballistic capability of a 300 Win Mag. And so you know, those, the, the technology to pull off the suppressor, which you asked about, and the bullet, which was a, a similarly challenging project, um, is, you know, it, it's, I, I assume it's why the Army kind of went our direction. It wasn't just the ability to build a gun. We, we're pretty good at building guns. It's kind of what we do, but it's not that they're not innovative and great, but, uh, but the suppressor and the ammunition were, were by far the, the more challenging piece of the project. That's so, cool. so when when a soldier's carrying this round, he's carrying like what would be equivalent of a three hundred eight. But when he hits his target, it's like getting hit with a three hundred mag. Yes. So, so the weight the weight of the bullet, which I had sitting here on my desk, I keep one handy just because it's so it's so unique. Uh, it's a it's a three hundred eight size round, just for the, the simplest term, six eight. Um, you know, so that's kind of the the size of it. But there's a steel cap on the end of it. So by putting this steel cap where the combustion occurs uh, in the chamber, we were able to actually thin the brass down because it's captured, you know, in the barrel. So the pressure in the brass, we made it thinner. Uh, the steel slightly heavier than brass, but the net weight of the bullet is actually 20% lighter. 
than a 308 size round. So it's a lighter round than a 308 uh, for the soldier in terms of payload and carry and all that kind of stuff, especially for a machine gunner who's got to carry buckets or, or, uh, or belts or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a ballistic coefficient on target is equivalent to the energy of a 300 Win Mag. Wow. Um, it'll, it'll defeat class four body armor at, at 100 yards. Um, the Army and SIG have been very confidential about releasing any of that information exactly uh, what that is and how much energy it is and that sort of stuff. But for the last, you know, for most of the con current conflict that we've been in for the last 20 years, in a lot of ways, in ground warfare, we've been outgunned. Uh, some of the enemy's products were, were more powerful and than, than what we were using with a you know classic 556 or 223 round, um, both out of the, the 249 saw and the, the M4. Um, so I think the the word that our our military um, like to use was was that we, we needed more lethality. We, we needed a, a, a they said you know bigger bullet, but you know we yes it's bigger than a 223, but you know for example it's it's the same round that was being fired out of a, a 240 machine gun, but is giving you the same uh, coefficient as a 300 Win Mag. So when a forward fighting unit goes into battle, uh, whereas before a sniper would be the only one firing a 300 Win Mag downrange. Um, now every soldier is going to have a bullet that has the, the capability of doing that. So we, we haven't just improved their lethality. It's, it's moved ahead, you know, dramatically in terms of what we were going to battle with prior. Awesome. Yeah, that's cool. That's great. I, uh, so Tom, this is an interesting question. I don't know why I thought of this. I have no idea why I thought of this, but I figure I'm going to ask you, you might not know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So when this happens, these transitions happen and they start, you know, acquiring your weapons to swap into this new, new role. What do they do with the old ones? Do they like destroy them? Like, I was just thinking about like, what do they do with the old ones? Like, so so I think, I think there's a lot of things. So for one thing, the M4 will still be in service. Um, you look at, at uh, people that aren't necessarily frontline fighters, uh, whether that might be MPs, MPs, for example, or, you know, people who are, um, you know, deployed but not forward fighting or whatever. So the M4 will still have a role uh, okay. in, in our armament. So, you know, I think our inventory was aged already. Uh, so are there going to be a lot of rifles that, are, that go out of service? Yes. Uh, but there's also still going to be a significant number that are in service. Um, you know, I don't think the U.S. military is in, in the practice of necessarily just doing a massive gun sale, uh, you know, when they retire a product. But I, so I think they're, they'll, they'll probably keep them in arsenal. Another thing they um, could do, and this is subjective, I don't, just my opinion, but with the conflict in Ukraine and different things that are going on around the world, I'm, I'm sure the U.S. military, who has always... Um, worked with our allies to help provide guns. I mean, TACOM, uh, the tank command has always sort of been uh, a part of, of uh, going to the U.S. government. Are we comfortable with this with this foreign country? Do we want to provide guns for them if they don't have the resources to do so? And so, you know, the U.S. government has, has always helped, been willing to help our allies in certain situations procure, procure guns. So this will give us a surplus that we, you know, theoretically as the world potentially goes into a turmoil or whatever, you know, it gives us the capability to help with that. Yeah. I also think it's smart to be honest. I think it's smart. They're working with you on the handgun and on the rifles and, you know, because I feel like it might be easier 
to like have one company doing things. So if you have issues or questions, it's like easier to like, you know, talk with you guys and say, Hey, I need a question, this handgun or whatever. Um, it's training, all that type of stuff. But, um, anyway, we thought that, we thought that was a good thing. Uh, yeah, I, I, <laughs> I bet <laughs> before we get too deep into this guys, I do want to show off my new, uh, camo Crocs. I'm very excited about this oh, and I am planning to leave these in the studio. This is my studio <laughs> shoe from now on. I figured I could wear my dirty shoes, leave them at the door and w- slip, slip on these beautiful little, uh, camo Crocs. That that was a brief commercial break to Dave's random thoughts. Thank you for that segment, okay. Dave. I that was my switch into hunting. I wanted to switch into hunting. It's a very jump into camo. So you're kind of like a doctor. So basically, you're kind of like a doctor, right? You got like your crocs on. Good Lord. Oh, I love it. I love so, it. So, so, Tom, we have been uh, – so we got some of these cross rifles. Thank you for sending those to us. We have obviously not hunted with them yet, so the, the season's ahead of us in November. Um, but I guess let's talk about that, that, that rifle a little bit. Um, it, you know, first off the quality of it is uh, incredible. The lightness of it is incredible. Um, uh, that was the things we noticed right off the bat. Uh, and we purposely asked you for different colors, different types, just so we could see, you know, Hey, well, what's this one? Like, what's this one? Like, and every one of us were like, man, this thing is freaking awesome. Like this is, this is legit. So, um, I guess tell us a little bit about that rifle and how, how it connects with the hunting community. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, if, if you look at everything SIG does, you know, if you look at the, the 320 and the modularity and the fire control unit or the 365, which was really started the world on an entirely new way to look at compact handguns, having high capacity, having 10 rounds or with our new X macro, you know, having 17 rounds or whatever. And you look at all the different things we've done, the BDX optics or hybrid ammunition or suppressors with, with reduced backflow. One thing our CEO says is I, I don't want to enter a category and just be the same. I just don't want to, he just doesn't want to do it. And so he challenges us to always think outside the box and come to market with new products. And so we said, what are, what are things that, that a, a hunter, and we specifically chose, I think, you know, maybe the, the most comfortable place for us to enter the market would have been long range PRS sniper rifles. You know, that's where the chassis rifle has always lived. You know, we work with Daniel Horner, our, our professional shooter, uh, who is, you know, arguably the greatest, you know, at least competitive sniper to ever live. You know, he, he didn't, he never uh, used it in combat, but certainly uh, in competition um, is, is one of, if not the greatest sniper, you know, to ever live. And, uh, you know, so we had guys like him and we had also another former army marksmanship unit and, and a guy named Robbie Johnson, who's vice president of our defense product management team, who is also among the greatest snipers to ever live, who did deploy and did use it in theater and in combat and, and, uh, you know, has uh, certainly is among the, the most decorated snipers in combat uh, ever. Uh, among the engineers and barrel specialists and all the people here at SIG. And so we had some very um, talented people in the room talking about how to build a bolt action rifle. But we said, you know, let's let's apply these principles to a hunting rifle first, because, you know, most rifles that look like the cross weigh about 14 pounds and. You know, they're, they're not something you're going to take into the woods. There are light chassis rifles. I get that. But, um, you know, we said, let's start there and try to develop something that is light, accurate, um, compact, and the, ability to, the ability to fold the stock and strap it to the side or stick it in your backpack while you're getting wherever you want to get and getting through tight places and so forth. It's light. So all those components went into the development of the rifle. And we just wanted to start in the hunting market. So, you know, we launched the, the, uh, the, the 308 and the 65 in just really the the uh 
16 and 18 inch barrels and performed very well. So then we began to expand. We have the, the born and raised edition with the 24 inch barrel, you know, which is, you know, essentially a, uh, it can be used in a long range competition kind of thing. And, and so we begin to evolve the rifle into to other things. And, and so this coming hunting season, we'll have a, uh, a Magnum action uh, cross rifle that'll have a 338, uh, sorry, a 300 Norma and a uh, 300 Win Mag uh, capability. And then the following season, we'll we'll shrink that down a little. We'll have 300 Win Mag, 30-06, 270, the traditional long actions. And so, you know, we started with that light, compact, Western sort of adventure hunter. We sent a lot of videos out of our team, Daniel, Corner or other members of our team or ambassadors or different people that we work with going to, you know, the Brooks range in Alaska, which is one of the most challenging, you know, hunting rock sheep and the most challenging environments in the world, Kodiak Island, you know, hunting moose. And, um, you know, I had mentioned you guys briefly, I had quite a, uh, adventure myself, uh, with a prototype 300 wind mag in, uh, Newfoundland hunting a moose this year. But what it gives you the ability to do is fold that stock, strap it to the side of your backpack and get to where you want to get in a super um, efficient way. And then, you know, when you unfold that thing and put it on target, as you know, if you guys have been out shooting them, it's it's a sub MOA rifle. It does everything you need it to do in a super light and compact package. And so, you know, SIG wanted to come to market with something different and unique. And, uh, you know, now we're beginning to turn our uh, sort of thoughts and and efforts toward just regular whitetail Eastern hunting, you know, why not? You going up into a tree stand or, or whatever, does it still work to have a light compact rifle that does everything you need it to do? And so that's, that's kind of been the concept behind the cross is, is let's, let's make something that's, that's different um, and can get it done. And let's sort of set the tone to see if it can do everything it needs to do on, you know, the Brooks Range in Alaska, the Kodiak, uh, you know, the, the first elk taken with that rifle was at, um, I don't know, just over 12,000 feet in the Rockies and a zero degree temperatures. And um, that was a hunt with, with Daniel and our, our uh, hunting product manager, uh, Patrick Hanley, and a couple other uh, of our team that went out and took that rifle out. And it's, it's been well tested in every environment you can imagine. Today's episode is brought to you by Sig Sauer, keeping you safe in and out of the field, but also keeping you in the field longer with Sig's lineup of cross rifles, optics, ammo, and more. Learn all about it at SigSauer.com. Also brought to you by Tinks, Dead Downwind, Burris, Vapor Trail, Stokerized, Apex Rewards, and Easton. Last year, Reveal by Tacticam quickly became the most sought-after scouting camera in America, making cellular scouting available to any hunter. We ask our users how we can make this outstanding camera even better, and this is our answer. Introducing the all-new Reveal X. Even easier setup, better battery life, faster trigger speed, on-demand HD photos, extended detection range. This season, find out what all the buzz is about. Get a new Reveal X by Tacticam. Enter the Apex Outdoor Rewards Turkey Challenge in your state. Over $120,000 in cash rewards. Limited number of entries allowed statewide. Every bird is a possible winner. Reward your passion at ApexOutdoorRewards.com. So. You know, that was kind of the, the concept is, is, 
We have the rifle. We, we know we make high quality ammunition for it. Whether you use one of our you know, standard optics, optics packages or whether you use the BDX, uh, you know, Bluetooth system, um, kind of gives you everything you need. Um, and so that's, we, we wanted to be holistic. It's unfortunate, we, we have the binoculars, we have, we have the range finders, we have everything you need. So we want to be holistic. It, it has been, you know, I think we still have a great challenge ahead of us because if you go to a hunting camp, and I think I've said this to you guys before, you know, and you say, you know, hey, I've got my SIG optic, about about 75% of the guys around the campfire are going to say, I didn't know SIG made optics. And, uh, <laughs> you know, or I didn't know SIG made ammunition. And so I think there's still a, a, a wide path in front of us in terms of getting the word out that SIG, all of the things that we pour into the military contract, all the things that we pour into the 320 and the 365 and the things that are in our wheelhouse, of course, we're pouring those same resources and thinking and, and uh, you know, challenges to be, be something different than just a standard product. Uh, we're pouring all that into our hunting products. And, uh, you know, hopefully we, we never thought the hunting market would be an easy path. Uh, and it hasn't been. You got some fairly well-known brands like, you know, Ruger and Savage and Remington and Browning. And, you know, the list goes on of, of really high quality products out there that, uh, you know, and, and you know, if you look at, you look at a, 400 or $450 rifle, a Mossberg Patriot, a, a Ruger, American, a Savage Axis. You know, those guns are, are terrific guns and you can get them for 400 bucks. Um, kill almost anything you need to kill with those rifles. And I have in my time at Mossberg, but, uh, you know, we, we just wanted to do it differently. And, and uh, we have a lot of respect for those brands, but, uh, you know, we think there's a place for what we do and what we're doing. Eventually, we'll have a traditional rifle. It's it's on the drawing board right now, um, just a traditional SIG rifle, um, a bolt-action rifle, so that'll be coming at some point. But we just wanted to do it differently and, and put something in people's hands that could uh, give them a great tool in a little bit different way. So, Tom, um, one of the – speaking of that, and, the you know, you mentioned the whitetail market, the Midwest. You know, over the past, I don't know, I don't know um, – five years i guess the 350 and the 450 have been out of control sales for some of the brands you mentioned i mean i'm talking like you would go into a store there'd be a 350 or 450 they'd be all gone within like a week you'd see 20 in there when you walk in the next two like a week later be all off the shelf gone so is that ever something uh sig has looked into at those calibers by any by any chance or it may be something that could possibly come in the future absolutely uh i think you know we we, we will get there. Um, you know, we, one of the struggles we have at SIG is, is because we make handguns, because we make rifles, because we make many kinds of handguns, many kinds of rifles, because we have military contracts, uh, we just, we struggle having time, time and enough engineering resources to get everything done we want to accomplish. So when you look at our, our, uh, our priority list, it's challenging. Uh, you know, I, it's, just to give you a little bit of perspective, um, we have over 350 engineers out of 3,200 employees, uh, and wow. I'm pretty sure that's by far the highest ratio. If you look at if you look at records uh, for the public companies or just through people we know at other companies, if you take the top four or five gun companies in the world and combine their engineering staff, I, I, I still think we have more engineers. Um, and that, that combines design engineers, quality engineers, manufacturing engineers. And so it's, it's very challenging. And, and, you know, our, of course, our youngest 
product lines or ammo and and those sorts of things. So it, it's challenging, but uh, we will get there and all those uh, popular. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Calibers, uh, we've, we've thought about straight wall for the states where that's growing in popularity. Um, the 350 um, and the 450, you know, we know those are popular products. But we want to start in the wheelhouse. Um, I mean, we started with a 308 and a 6.5 and that, um, you know, that's small action or short action round and um you know it's been very very successful and we'll get to the you know the next layer which is the long actions um, yeah and those those rounds i would say are somewhere on the 18 to 24 month horizon and um you know we we are looking at um another innovative rifle that those those rounds would be really conducive for and so there's a lot of things churning right now but you know it's you're just the way that our engineering gets prioritized around here, we're probably looking at, you know, somewhere in 18 to 24 months before we're engaged in those calibers. Yeah, because we had so, uh, we had the, you know, <clears throat> Michigan is split in half. So the state is actually split where a rifle line is. So like Kevin, for instance, he'll hunt in the upper peninsula of Michigan, so he can use a rifle all day. But me, Tim, and Jamie actually hunt in the lower western part of Michigan where you can't. So you know, before the 450, 350 came out, we were using 12 gauge, three inch mag, you know, it was terrible. Like, we're like, this is horrible. I actually didn't even gun hunt for years because I'm like, I'll just bow hunt, you know, because I never wanted to handle, I didn't want to deal with that until the 450, 350 came and it kind of sparked my interest. Like, wow. But speaking of that, another thing that's piqued my interest over the last, I don't know, maybe three years uh, is hunting whitetail with a pistol. Is there any pistol you guys have that you would recommend might be an option for that? Uh, is that something you guys might have and maybe a 10 millimeter or what's your thoughts on that? I guess. Yeah. I mean, the, the, uh, 320 10 millimeter, uh, is, is taking the market by storm. You know, we launched it in, in, uh, 2022 and, um, you know, there's, there's only a, a you know, handful of companies out there that make a, a, a good and reliable 10 millimeter. And uh, we started selling it, and quite frankly, it's it's done extremely well. It's you know, our engineers knew that the biggest challenge with a 10 millimeter pistol is making it shootable, and the 320 is known for that comfort and sort of uh, you know very 
good ergonomic design. And so we, we put all those things into a 10 millimeter. Um, a compensated 10 millimeter obviously makes another big difference. And so that's something, but yeah, we've, we've, uh, we've had a lot of success uh, in the Western markets with 10 millimeter for protect, bear protection or whatever, but the accuracy of a 320, if you wanted to, if you wanted to shoot something in Western Michigan, the pan gun hunting is, uh, is legal there. Um, I think it'd be, it'd be great. I mean, obviously a 10 millimeter bullet on a whitetail is gonna, gonna do plenty of damage. So um, it wouldn't be a problem at all. What kind of um? What kind of distance are we talking here? Just as just as a, I know this ain't like a, I don't want to just be a quoted distance, but I mean, should should a, a user stay twenty yards or less with a handgun? Like, what's your overall thought from you? Not necessarily sig from you. Well, I mean, I have to be careful answering that question because it the 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 most honest answer is it depends to some degree on the shooter. Um, if I if I sent Daniel Horner into the woods with a ten millimeter and he saw a white-tailed deer at one hundred and twenty yards. I'd, I'd be pretty confident if he's got an optic on that, that handgun, I'd be pretty confident. He's, he's going to take an ethical and, and sound shot on that because Daniel Horner's one of the best living shooters in history. Yeah. Uh, me, I'm an okay shooter. I worked for Smith and Wesson for five years. I've killed animals at very long ranges with, with handguns that were built to do that. Um, I shot a, I shot a bison at 183 yards with the Smith and Wesson 500. Wow. Um, nice. I mean, I wasn't sure of the drop and I just, I kind of big kill zone. I estimated it and I, I hit it, but you know, I would say that um, un, certainly under a hundred yards is what you're looking for. 20 is not, uh, you know, you, is, is, is an easy shot. I would say with a 320, 10 millimeter, but for a, for a typical person that, that puts some time into it, puts an, an optic on their, on their gun, a red dot optic, I would say you're looking for a shot under 50 yards to be, be the most ethical. Is it, is it fine going 60, 75 yards, maybe a hundred? You, if you put the practice into it and so forth, you know, probably not, not a problem, but, uh, but I'd say on the average, you're looking for a 50 yard shot. All right. Last question for me. I'll shut up, Tim. I know you had something you want to talk about. Um, <laughs> so I see, I see that there was a 365, 380 uh, caliber, uh, my only question is, is this gun now, since it's a 380, um, is it smaller than the nine millimeter or is it the same exact size, just a different round? Diff slightly different platform, slightly smaller. So, okay. uh, yeah. And so, you know, that, but that, that leads us into when I, when I opened, I said, you know, we were known for innovation, but with the 380, you know, obviously being a very popular round for, for women, um, just within the last couple of months, we've launched a program called Rose by Sig Sauer. Um, and that is our, our women's program. Um, and Lena Michalik, our, our female professional shooter, who's, you know, a, probably the greatest female shooter to ever live at 28 years old. You know, a couple of years ago, after she's won almost everything a, a competitive shooter can win, she's won in multiple disciplines, shotgun, pistol caliber carbine rifles, three gun, you name it, Lena's won it. And, but she became passionate about sort of reaching other women, women's empowerment, that sort of thing. And she, uh, we started, we worked with her to develop this program called Rose by Sig Sauer. And uh, it's not just a gun though. There's a nine millimeter um, 365 XL with a compensator for a reduced recoil. And then there's a 380. It's a black gun with rose gold accents. So ladies really like that, but it's a kit. It comes with a safe, uh, a Voltec wow. safe, which has a, a code entry system That's and it's matched cool. in color to the gun. Uh, it comes with dummy rounds uh, in a black lace bag and this really cool black box. 
Uh, if you go to the rose page and scroll down a little, you'll see this kit that it comes with. Maybe most importantly, there's a card in the box with a QR code on it and you scan that QR code and it takes you to Lena, welcome you to the program. And there's everything cool. from, what do I expect when I go in, into a gun store? Cause I'm, I'm nervous, I've never been in a gun store before. Or when I go to a range, what do I need in my range bag? Um, when I, how do I load my gun? How do I hold my gun? What are the safety rules of the gun? So there's 18 different videos already loaded on under that QR code. That landed. <laughs> I kind of want to join this, this is awesome. So, so, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, we, we didn't know what to expect because it's not cheap, obviously, with the safe and all that. But we've we've actually been a little bit constrained by the safe quantities, but uh, we've shipped about 3,000, but we're already backlogged over 25,000 units on that. And wow. it's not, like I said, it's not cheap. But the Facebook group for the women is over 7,000 already. Um, and just this past weekend, I was down in Nashville at our first Rose Retreat. We brought uh, 24 women in, mostly this time, the influencers and, um, you know, just different people from, from partners we work with, help us build the program. A um, lot, of, lot of women influencers. So we brought three women who own gun stores. Uh, we actually had a massive treat. We had Tulsi Gabbard join us. Um, oh. It's a phenomenal story. Democratic Congresswoman from, from uh, Hawaii, unique story. Her husband you know, shoots competitively. Uh, so she, you know, she's been around guns. She's a lieutenant colonel in the, in the reserves, um, and she was just fantastic. She took part in the program, and here's a, a a woman who's you know probably a significant player in the future of our country at some point, who came to our rose retreat and and just went arm in arm with all these women from all different aspects. And uh, you know, so in this case, the 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 ecosystem of of the the women of rose is probably more important than just the product. Any woman could go buy a, a 380, uh, 365, or a nine millimeter with a comp compensator on it. But uh, but what we learned is that that women are really looking for a, for a way to engage in not only a community. If you're an experienced female shooter, but if you're not experienced, driving by a gun store and wondering what it's what it's going to be like to walk in there, it, it gives you insights about you know because unfortunately it's probably still in a lot of, of retail shops in America a fairly male dominated environment and it's intimidating for a, for a woman who's never even thought about going at a gun store. So why not have Lena Michalik, who's, you know, this young, uh, talented shooter who's been around guns her whole life with her dad, probably the greatest, you know, overall shooter to ever live, Jerry uh, Michalik and her mom's a world champion shooter and, and have her talk to you about, let's back up just a minute and understand what it's like to just walk into a gun store if you've never been in one before. And so, um, yeah, that 380 is was great, and we were selling a lot to, to women and so forth. But but the Rose program has really doubled down on, on that and said it's not just about the gun; it's about how do we educate. And you know, I was fortunate enough to uh, be the the only male in the room um, on the first morning of the program when the women went around the room and introduced themselves, talked about what background they came from or whatever, and talked about their their confidence or their fears or the reasons for being there and you know, I'm just sitting there saying, how do we multiply this to, you know, from 24 women and, and the 7,000 in the Facebook group to 10,000 and then 100,000 and then a million or, or whatever, because we certainly know they're out there, women who have bought guns in the last two or three years. It's, it's, it's millions of women who have taken this step to say, I want to be empowered and, and take care of myself. So, uh, yeah, so the 380 is, is a stepping stone to that, but uh, 
I mean, to us, it's about this more than just the gun itself. That's awesome. I, and I, I love that because not not just with getting into firearms, we see that a lot on the hunting world as well uh, with outdoor sports and, and the um, women being underserved, you know, not knowing where to start, not knowing how to, how to start. And uh, we've done several podcasts with people that really sp- go out of their way to, to mentor specifically women into outdoor sports. And I think that's hugely important because like I said, it is an, I do believe traditionally it's been underserved. Um, and a lot of that is education and just the comfortness of hearing it from others that have walked that path before. Right. So I think that that's an amazing, amazing thing that you guys are doing there. And uh, we, we love to hear that because we see that we like to try to promote that as much as we can within the hunting industry period um because we need more hunters and those you know whether it's children men or women um we want them all right we we want everybody to enjoy the outdoors as much as we do and anything that can help in promoting that i think is great so where where do you start is one of the biggest things that we face um you know we are we have another major program probably sometime this summer or fall that that is going to address a larger market whether you're whether you're a competitive shooter at a, at a high open class level or whether you're somebody who's just bought a gun or maybe you haven't even bought your gun yet, um, it's something that's that's uh, going to be akin to Rose, but on a much larger scale. And uh, we've been, we've spent months and months and months developing content. We already have uh, in the can today. We already have over 125 videos filmed on every topic you can imagine about everything from the, the most basic grassroots um, walking into a gun store or starting into a, an area of shooting all the way up to hopefully people that are very accomplished will, will be able to glean stuff from some instruction from some of our high-level uh, academy instructors or um, friends of SIG, ambassadors of SIG, and and that's just the start. You know, we, we really want to build some. So so we have some, some programs this summer that will be launching um, – and, and uh, super exciting. I'm not, it's not really ready for prime time to talk about yet, but it's exciting because it's in this vein of where do you turn? You know, if you, if you Google search, whatever, you know, you're going to get so much confusion. And I hope that with what SIG has accomplished, you know, over the last, you know, whether you want to call it 250 years, if you go all the way back to J.P. Sauer and son, you know, 250 years ago, or whether you just want to say in the last 20 years, Hopefully, we will have earned a little bit of credibility to be a, a, a good source to ask a question or get a question answered without, you know, and, and it's no disrespect to many people out there who, who, who are on the Internet, on YouTube, or, or paid or unpaid or, or whatever. Um, no disrespect to any of those people. In fact, we want to embrace people like that on, on what we're working on, working with other people, whether they want to talk about other topics, whether they want to talk about SIG in a positive way, or we've even said, if we have people on this, this network we're trying to build that need to say something negative about SIG, that's okay too. You know, we, we, we want to have an open environment because if we're not open to that sort of freedom of expression, um, to talk about things good and bad, we'd be hypocrites. Um, you know, we, we, we have confidence in our products. And so you want to talk negatively about something we're, we're game for that. And, uh, you know, we, we want to build something that can really get people, shooting, hunting, you know, whatever it might be, we, we really want to have a, a very strong environment to, to do that part of, of the industry because it's, it's a, 
a lot of people build guns, but we want to do more than just building guns. Well, I think well, Tom, I think them... you were um, you were lying to us in the beginning when I when I said you had a lot going on and and uh, you said there wasn't really much going on at all. Yeah, we're a little bored right now. But, uh, but at I'll least say, I think at the least... I'll say I think the best way to get these people into it is to tell us a story about this moose. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah I was going to say at least I was able to find a week to get away um, this fall, and uh, you know I've been been very blessed and fortunate to hunt all over the world and. You know, there's, there, there weren't too many animals, you know, I mean, we could always pick an animal, an exotic animal to go shoot a lion. I haven't done that, but you know, whatever, but, but of the, of the major animal groups, the one that I was missing on my list was a moose. And so I really wanted to do that. So I got a, a wonderful opportunity uh, this fall to go up to Newfoundland. And uh, there's a, some people are aware of a, a Northeastern based TV show, but their popularity is growing uh, uh, March and Miller. And it's a, uh, um, two hockey players, once still very active and on maybe one of the best teams in history, Brad Marchand, playing for the Bruins, doing very, very well this year. And Kevin Miller, who retired uh, uh, a year ago due to some, some injury issues. Two wonderful guys. Uh, Brad has a bit of a tough reputation on the ice if you keep up with hockey. Uh, he's, he's known as a very tough, gritty player. But, man, talk about the nicest guy in the world. And these two guys, absolutely passionate hunters. And uh, they have properties in Colorado, in Newfoundland. Uh, they, they, they hunt everything, anything and everything. But anyway, I got a chance to go up there with, with Kevin Miller guiding me. And uh, if you've never hunted in, in uh, terrain like Newfoundland, you've got bogs, you've got rocks, you've got hills, you've got uh, something called Tuckamore, which is wind-influenced birch trees that are basically blown over sideways. So when you get into that, you're just climbing and pushing your way through it. And some places you can't get through it. And uh, so, yeah, we uh, innocently enough, we, we got on some um, over, a, over a lake. So it was a little challenging, but it, it was the shot that presented itself. Uh, couldn't get a shot on him in the morning. Waited, finally got a shot on him in the afternoon. Um, had a, had a, a scope issue. Uh, ended up having to shoot him at 411 yards over a lake in 40 mile per hour wind. And I couldn't dial my dope. So I had to I had to dial back to zero and hold about five feet in front of him and three feet over his oh head. Fortunately, fortunately got a sh good shot on him. Back to the old windage days, and uh, yeah, he it was over a lake. And then when he went down, we had to we had to get around that lake. So to make a long story short, we got a moose. Uh, but when when we got back to the the lodge, we left at about four a.m. and got back up about one a.m you know, 21 hours later, we had walked 16 miles through the, uh, the worst terrain I've ever hunted in. Wow. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, there, when I say there was, you know, uh, Kevin had a very nice GPS watch phone system and, uh, had all the statistics and 16 miles and uh, about 30,000 steps. Oh my God. And I can tell you that I don't think there were I don't think there were three consecutive steps that I would say were just normal steps anywhere we went. And uh, we experienced uh, freezing rain, sleet, and snow, and 40-mile-per-hour winds. And so if you're ever looking for that, you know, we've all done it a lot, but if you're ever looking for that epic moment where you had everything, elements, distance, crazy shot, scope malfunction, prototype rifle, uh, you know, nicest hockey player in the world helping me, you know, uh, get around and – you know, as, a, as an older guy, let's just say I was really happy I had a professional athlete helping me uh, 
<laughs> over the hill and through the woods, uh, getting out no of there. No doubt. How did you? How did you get them out? Did you have to pack it know. out or? Uh, yeah, we we had to come back the next morning. Uh, wow. It was it was uh, by the time we got to them, it was about, it was dark. Um, conditions were terrible, and uh, so yeah, we we had to get back out there through another direction uh, the next day and, uh, and and pack them out. How, how nervous were you leaving it there overnight? Uh, nervous. Is there, but, there? We, had no, we had no choice. We we had no we had no uh, and and even. You know, Kevin, who's a, a world-class six foot four inch, you know, 240 pound stack of muscle. Um, we were all in, not in a good situation physically. And so we just decided to come back early the next morning and, and, uh, and, and, and take him out. So, uh, yeah, it was, it was one of those hunts, you know, when you do it enough, you're going to get in those situations and, uh, you know, maybe for a younger, younger person or more, uh, more in shape person, it wasn't challenging, but, um, <laughs> We yeah, did this hunt was... in Canada. We did a black bear hunt in Canada. We were we had a guy almost faint trying to go up a ravine, trying to pull a bear out. And this is like 1 a.m. And I'll never forget it because I was like, dude, this is so intense. And this was like just what? Was it Quebec? Where were we at? No, we were no Ontario. Ontario. Right? It wasn't right. even that. It wasn't even nothing like what you're talking about, but it was still rough. Oh, even yeah, though the guys was... were going down. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, we had, uh, you know, we had headlamps getting out of there. But, you know, when you're going through that kind of terrain in the dark and, uh, this lake we had to go around was 100% surrounded uh, other than a couple of the opening where we shot him, uh, Tuckamore. And I, I had never heard of Tuckamore in my life. Um, but look it up sometime. It is, it is like looking at just a sea of cedar. It's, oh, it's birch, but, but uh, you know, you, sometimes you might go 75 yards and get to a point where you just can't get through it. Anymore. It's so thick. Oh my gosh. You have, to, you have to backtrack and go around a different way. And so, uh, yeah, everybody's got a hunting story. And are there, and all are, there are there wolves up there too? Uh, they they I asked that question and they're there, but they don't see them very often. I mean, bear bears are there for sure. Um, is that, do you care? Did you carry like the that ten millimeter for that as a protection, or how did that how does that work? When not allowed to. Not oh, allowed. That's to. right, Canada. Yeah, Canada. <laughs> I forgot. So, same thing so, happened to us. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I never, I never really felt, you know, I never from from an animal standpoint, I, we never really felt threatened. I mean, you know, there's bears out there, but we had we we had uh, we had my rifle and everything, so that was that was solid. But it was just the conditions and the terrain. Um, yeah. I just, you know, it it's not like you know I've shot an elk at eleven thousand feet in the Rockies, but you know, it was challenging just because the altitude and everything, but. The mix of you know sometimes you'd be you'd be walking and you'd take a step and you'd sink up to your knee on something that looked like moss on a rock and it's not it's a bog you know and so and then you you'd hit a place where the ground feels like you're walking on a trampoline so you know that's that's that. what I'm saying when you say I've I've taken this many steps thirty thousand steps but when every step has some form of of uh, obstacle. <laughs> obstacle illusion water you know oh and to make matters even worse you know I, i'm wearing uh i'm wearing bog boots not wearing good good hiking boots because that was the because the the water and all that so walking thirty thousand steps in bogs <laughs> not a lot of fun um not like you're wearing your high-end hunting boots, right? Wait a minute, what's wrong with these? You should have wore yeah. these babies out there. <laughs> those would have been the answer. Uh, those what? definitely would have been the, the answer. What, what was I it? Right? Had, I, I could have had Kevin throw me over his shoulder and carry me out. <laughs> what What was the rifle and the round you used for that? 
Just it was a proto. It was a prototype um, 300 Win Mag, but the first version of that that we'll be launching this fall is actually going to be a, a Magnum action. So it's it's got a little bit bigger action because we we we're working on it for a sniper program, and so um, that's a 300 Norma Mag. So we needed the longer action, but we decided as long as we're going to build the 300 Norma Mag, we might as well do a prototype 300 Win Mag. So so I was able to take that up there, and. Um, yeah, it's it shot. It, it was such a good shooting gun. Uh, you know, it's a little heavier, so the recoil than the than this, the obviously the uh, the three hundred eight and six five. So the, the recoil was manageable, but I'll tell you, getting through terrain like that, having a light rifle with a foldable stock, I mean, it's it's why the cross was built. I need a way to be able to make this rifle as compact and as light as I can, and 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 it afforded me to do that. But it was nice to also have a three hundred wind back. It was awesome. Well, tell you what, that's, that's an amazing story. And I know Kevin and I, we did a Canadian hunt in Ontario and it wasn't nearly as rough as that, but it was rough. And there was that pillow thing you're talking about. It wasn't a full bog, I wouldn't say, but it was definitely walking on def- oh, the yeah. moss. It was yeah. like crazy. Yeah, I'll never forget it. Cause I was like, man, this is so weird. I'm like bouncing as I walk. I'm like, something's, something's not right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's, 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 there's many small lakes and ponds and, and you know, the runoff of, of the snow and everything. And it was just every single thing you can imagine um, yeah. was there, but uh, you know, there was, there was guys who do it for a living up there. And, and uh, it's, they said that was about as bad as it gets because the, the weather kept changing on us, the wind, the fog, the, the, the sleet, the, the, the snow, the freezing rain. It was just, uh, it was just one of those hunts where anything that can happen, happened. And, uh, how, you know. how, how far from where you shot him did you find the moose and was, what was the tracking like? Uh, the, tr- the tracking was hard because he was in a V notch coming up from the lake that had trees around it. So, when I shot him, he he went in to our to our left where near where he was standing, but he but and we had eyes on him from a spotter that didn't go that was one of the guys that was one of the outfitters stayed with binos to watch him as we went around the lake. We had we had a walkie-talkie and uh he never he never came when he when he went into the woods, he never came back out, but he had gone around the, the tree line to the other side of the notch. And so that's why we we struggled so hard to find him because he had he had basically we you'd think he would have we looked all in this side you know this one side of the the uh where the tree line was but he had he had gone back around the top of the trees and not come back out of the opening so he was on the opposite side of the clearing Mm. uh where and that's that's why we and we're looking and we're looking for him with headlamps um and the terrain up there it's it's amazing that those anim- an animal of that size can move around in that kind of terrain so easily or, or, or so quietly and you just, you can't find them, but uh, yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. But it was, uh, yeah, I think my, my hold point because of my scope malfunction, um, I was about four feet in front of him, about three feet over his head. And uh, it just, it hit him good, but uh, it was, it was, uh, it was interesting, but yeah, it was, it's a challenge when you find, when you have an animal, when, when they move at all into back into the terrain, it's, it's a challenge to find them, especially with a headlamp. Yeah. 
Tom, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you coming on and congratulations to SIG on all the amazing stuff you guys are doing. That is super cool about the military stuff in the Rose program. Both, uh, I you know, personally feel like it's very important for our military, but also uh, to get women into the sport of hunting. There's so many things here that we talked about today. So thank you for coming on sixhour.com guys. Check it out. Get your guns. Any last words, Tom? No, I just appreciate you. Um, I'm glad the podcast is going well. Uh, we're really pulling for you guys to to keep growing this this thing, and uh, you know we're excited about the partnership we have with you, and look forward to to doing this again or getting some of our maybe more interesting personalities on at some point. So uh, look forward to doing that with you guys as well. Absolutely, thank you so much, and thank you for watching here on Carbon TV. And if you're listening on the podcast on where you get your podcast, I guess iTunes, I don't know, whatever. We'll see you guys later. Thank you for watching. Take care. New year, new credit scores. Chime makes it easier to build credit by using your own money to make on-time payments with a secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Use it everywhere Visa credit cards are accepted. To apply, just open a Chime checking account with a qualifying direct deposit. There's no annual fee or credit check required when applying. Get started at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. The Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Late payment may negatively impact your credit score. Results may vary.